When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? Aren't you ashamed? No, I'm not. You think you are, lady? You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Think I'm entitled? You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm awake. Are you? Let's go now to our new episode of the Unfiltered Rise with me. Heidi Love. There we go. Okay. Hi. Welcome back. Hi, we're back. <laughs> All right. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit um, as well is um, the whole blood atonement and that and and the, the oath of vengeance that was taken in the temple. Um, and basically that they were taking an oath in the, in the Nauvoo temple um, and later temples, I think it might have even happened prior to the temple being completed in Salt Lake, I think was 93, 1893. I think they started in 1863. It took 30 years to build, um, if I remember. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I remember the, the movie I watched where they buried the foundation of the temple because the government was coming in. Oh, as, I remember that movie. As, I remember that. I don't know what that was. Um, anyway. Um, but the blood atonement was a thing that was something that was really, um, it is true. This is from the Journal of Discourses, a sermon by Brigham Young, volume four, pages 53 and 54. It is true that, that the blood of the Son of God was shed for sins through the fall and those committed by men. Yet men can, can commit sins which can never remit. There are sins that can be that can be atoned for by an offering upon an altar as in the ancient of, ancient of day in the ancient days and there are sins that the blood of the lamb or calf or of turtle dove cannot remit but they must be atoned for by the blood of man that's from Brigham Young um and basically he taught like the journal of discourses is just loaded with stuff um explain that to the viewers because i know what it is you know what it is but they might not know what it is as like non non-mormons um like the collection of everything that got kicked out i feel <laughs> it's 26 volumes and i have a paperback edition box set um wow. it's fallen apart but um 
and and of course it's online on my website. Um, but um, it is 26 volumes of books of the writings of early church leaders, primarily Brigham Young, of their teachings, their guidance, their direction, their theology, their doctrines, everything is in those books. And um, it is a wealth of information that- And it, it's where you find all the things they don't want you to see. Yes. <laughs> I feel yes. like. <laughs> Um, so there, there, this is a bit lengthy. I apologize, but uh, this was published in the Mormon Church New, uh, the Mormon Church's Deseret News, um, in 1856, page 235. But it's also found again in the volume in, in the Journal of Discourses, volume four, pages 53 and 54. Um, let's see here. Where did I leave off? Um, oh dear. Oh, I just read one. one yeah, page. just the one. Yeah. Um, so I'll read it in, in its entirety. There are sins that men commit that for which they cannot receive forgiveness in this world or in that which is to come. And if they had their eyes open to see that their true condition, they would be perfectly willing to have their blood spilt upon the ground that the smoke thereof might ascend to heaven as an offering for their sins. And the smoking incense would atone for their sins. Whereas if such is not the case, they will stick they will stick to them and remain upon them in the spirit world meaning their 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 grievous sins i know that you i know when you hear my brethren telling about cutting people off from the earth that you would consider it a strong doctrine but it is to save them not to destroy them and furthermore i know that there are trans transgressors who if they knew themselves that the only condition upon which they can obtain forgiveness would beg of their brethren to shed their blood, that the smoke thereof might ascend to God as an offering to appease the wrath that is kindled against them, that the law might have its force. It, I will say further, I have had men come to me and offer their lives to atone for their sins. So, um, on my resources page um, at the top, there is um, a uh, a PDF, uh, not a PDF, excuse me, a PowerPoint that is actually live action. You can click on it and you can go through 58 slides. Um, and I don't know if I can go back. I love that you've taken so much time to put all this together for people so that they can really see like what what we're talking about because so many people will have no understanding of what, I mean, we do because we lived it and they just shove you this stuff down your throat forever. But other people have no clue. And I think it's, a, it's excellent that you have this huge resource. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. uh, I've got all my, my documents on there too. Um, but this is from History of the Church. Now, History of the Church okay. is seven volumes, um, much more condensed than the Journal of Discourses and covers... Really, the first six volumes are all Joseph Smith. Um, right. But the seventh volume kind of is in more of this dispensation, um, more in, more current, if you will. Um, but this is from volume one, and this is from uh, extracts from the history of, of Joseph Smith, the prophet. My object, my object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sects were right, that I might know which to join, which, which to join. 
No sooner, therefore, did I get possession of myself, so I was able to speak, than I asked the personages who stood above me in the light, the angel of light, wow. uh, prior to 1976, or six, yeah, uh, prior to 1976, the, the introduction, the explanatory introduction to the Doctrine and Covenants stated that, that Joseph Smith was visited by Moroni, an angel of light. Mm -hmm. And in good old Mormon doctrine, you look up angel of light and it says, see devil. Yep, because yeah, he is the enlightened one. And there he brings forth, but he also here, let me blow your mind even more. When yep. he was young, when he was a kid, he ended up being uh, with the treasure diggers. You know that whole story. Okay, well, he had this guy that he really looked up to because he didn't really have that connection with his father as much because he had an alcohol problem. And this guy was actually a distant cousin of his future wife, Emma. And guess what his name was? His last name, Lumen's Light. Wow, yeah. Lumen. When you and buy a projector, it tells yeah. you how many it is yes and it makes yeah. you wonder because there's just too many things that are i believe he truly saw something i believe if you oh, know the history they yes. tell like he became bound and he couldn't move and there was this darkness that fell upon him that was the introduction to the the, the darkness when yeah. you go you may not feel this you personally may not feel this but when you go from when i come from when i went to from boise to go to Salt Lake, or when I've gone to Salt Lake, it's just like that sensation, that feeling that came over me when I let go of those letters. It's heavy here. It was, it was not only a feeling of emotion and mental and spiritual. The spiritual part is the huge part because all of that just lifted off of me. When you go to Utah, when you go to Salt Lake City, it's so this, heavy. this cloud <laughs> of, of doom and darkness comes and over you. Smog. And smog. And smog. But yes, I know. I know what you're saying. It's an inversion. Yes. It's, it's don't a, have inversions where I'm at here, but uh, I remember that word. Here it's, uh, we have a, uh, uh, the humidity, they call it the uh, heat index or something oh. like that. Anyway, I want to continue with this. Uh, yeah, of course. But it uh, is heavy here. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the darkness and the cloud of darkness that looms over Salt Lake City is is something. Um, it's the omens that they're doing and the weird crap all over the place. Then I asked the personages who stood above me in the light, which of all the sex was right? For at this time, I had never, it had never entered my heart that they were all wrong. Of, of and which did. I should join. I was answered that I must join none of them, for they were all wrong. And the personage who addressed me said that their creeds were an abomination in his sight, that those professors were all corrupt, that they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach for the doctrines and commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Um, and that is from the history of the church. Um, and that... You know, they say, we don't persecute or tear down other religions. Um, and, oh, well, that was just Joseph Smith's story. That's what happened. That story is a bunch of crap because <laughs> when you – no, honestly, there, there's another page on my website. There's nine different versions of the first vision. Yes, yep. You know, and I think it's the first 
three they don't even address. And then the fourth one, I think they start using, I don't know. But yeah, at first he said he saw a white Indian or something. And I mean, it, it wasn't even the same name. So. And, and there was a pillar of light or a pillar of fire. Um, a, an, a one entity, probably God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the, and the Holy Spirit all in one, because the original teachings of the church did was tri Trinitarian, because where were their roots? Where were they coming from yeah. to Mormonism, Trinitarianism? Okay, mm -hmm. so, and, and here is, uh, you know, the, the, the arrogance of Joseph Smith. This, this is his personality. They said <laughs> he was a total narcissist. Oh, here we go. This is this is the most horrible, most what was that word I used back there? Abomination right. that any man could ever speak. And what does the Bible tell us about boasting and being proud? Here we go. This is an address of the prophet, again found in History of the Church, Volume Six. Um, just the 26th of May, 1844, um, pages 408 and 409. His testimony against the dissenters at Nauvoo. I, like Paul, have been in perils and oftener than anyone in this generation. As Paul boasted, I have suffered more than Paul did, for I will come out on top at last. I have more to boast than ever any man had. I am the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. Here we go. This is the worst part of it. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as I. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. Uh, yet is the word. <laughs> Yeah, they're running in droves now, baby. Yeah, yeah. That's both our financial cover-up of uh, our SEC uh, discovery. Um, yeah. I, I tell you, I take such an interest in all of this because, I mean, like, I I went to, uh, I had a, this is a side note and personal, probably not necessary to share, but I'm an open book. Um, I had a, uh, you know, struggled with weight all of my life. And I went and had uh, these dual gastric balloons placed in my stomach. And I went from here in Oklahoma up to Can up to uh, Kansas um, uh, to um, up there. Um, I can't remember the name of the town. It's real close to Independence. Um, and so I took the opportunity to go to Independence. And, uh, and oh my gosh, I went and I saw all of it. I went to the church visitor center on on the original temple lot. I went oh. to I went to uh, um, Christ, the the Church of Christ temple lot, and I met with them. I got to go inside their church. Um, I got documents and articles and pamphlets and stuff wow. from them. Um, and I went to the reorganized church. And or the community of Christ, as it's called today, the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, uh, is what it used to be called, but now they call themselves the community of Christ. Um, they still use the Book of Mormon, um, it's hit and miss with using the inspired version of the Bible. Um, Joseph Smith retranslating the King James Bible, um, adding lots of scriptures that were never there, um, and uh, all of that. Um, and with that said, the LDS Church doesn't use that today. 
but they do have lots of so the LDS church uses the King James Bible just as every the majority of every a regular Bible just as most other religions do uh, mind you other people use ver different versions the NIV the uh, NSRJ you mentioned some of those I'm right. not good. yeah and Dave and, and the uh, the New King James Version, um, etc. But the LDS Church still uses the old King James style Bible. Nothing's changed. It's all the original chapters and all the same content, not altered. But the chapter headings is the Mormon interpretation of what that chapter is about. The footnotes at the bottom of the page include all. Uh, cross-referencing to the other scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. Um, and before I go any further, I want to explain my 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 perfection message. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, yeah, found it. Okay. Um, so one of the things I listened to um, that I that really made a lot of sense to me is Mormons are very, very big on, or the Mormon church is very big on teaching and leading and guiding its membership to um, further education, hence BYU, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii, BYU-Jerusalem. Um, and uh, it's just an abomination. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they put their dirty footprint in, in Jerusalem. I couldn't believe it. Um, but anyway, um, and, and doing all the things that you have to do in this life to save your ancestors so that they can be in the celestial kingdom, the highest degree of glory with you. Baptism for the dead, works for the dead, uh, the endowment, the washing and anointing, the gift of the Holy Ghost, all of that that you have to do in the temple for the dead. And they can accept it or not accept it on the other side in, in, in uh, the spirit world and crossover from spirit prison to spirit paradise. Um, and so, um, uh, but... Uh, there, the the weight is just so much that you have to do, and um, uh, where was I? Um, the the blood of Jesus, I mean, basically is it. Um, so, um, oh, perfection. Okay, so you got to bring me back. Um, so, so my website is Mormon Perfection. My website name is Helping Mormons Reach Perfection. And the reason I use that, and and this is the, the way I present it to a Mormon or you as a listener who might be listening now, um, is Mormon church has built a whole teaching and doctrine belief around one scripture in the Bible. And that's Matthew 548. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And let's go down to the LDS footnotes. On that particular verse, okay. Matthew 550 um, in the Joseph Smith translation, I think it falls at 550. Ye are therefore commanded to be perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Commanded. I think it's in one of the J books, Jeremiah, Job, or somewhere in there. I, I could be wrong, but basically there's a scripture in the Bible that says, if you've broken one commandment, you've broken them all. So I say to the Mormon, are you living this commandment? 
you believe Joseph Smith was inspired first off when he in, when he translated this verse? Well, yes, I do. So are you living this commandment? Are you perfect? And well, no, that's what we have a restored gospel for. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It says be perfect. Be ye therefore perfect. Ye are therefore commanded to be perfect. When you when you go to the grocery store or you go to your friend's home and you tell your child to be good before you go in, do you mean when they get around to it, when they when they work towards it? Maybe not this time, but next visit. Um, that they can they they'll be perfect. Um, it it doesn't say that. It it's it's in the present tense. Be perfect. And if you aren't living this commandment, then you've broken them all. And so how then the, the you know that opens the door for like, how can I be perfect? That's impossible. Right. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And it says, For by one offering he hath perfected past tense forever them that are sanctified. Well, what does all that mean? What is that one offering? And obviously we know it's past tense, perfected. And who are those that are sanctified? When you and I accept the gift, the free gift with no obligation, no purse strings attached, when we accept that as a free gift, we are in that very moment perfect. We are in that very moment sanctified, set apart, made holy. If we go up to verse 10 from 14, it says, for by which will we, you and me, we are made, are perfected through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That one offering was the offering of Jesus. And he's the one that makes us perfect. Because when God looks upon us, he doesn't see the imperfect people that we are anymore he sees the perfect blood of his son that covers us he sees the perfect robe of righteousness that covers us and at that very moment we are perfect in his sight you know the mormon church doesn't have along with the songs music is so big they don't have jesus loves the little children in the primary hymnal they don't have jesus uh, jesus loves the little children and um they have a song in there called Jesus Loved the Little Children. It's past tense. Um, yeah, it's in there, but it's a whole different song with all different lyrics. Um, and, you know, it, it teaches everything. And I can understand why. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Hmm. Black? Yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> Especially prior to 1978. Right. So, so, um, and just, uh, yeah, that, that, anyway. So there is an old manual. I don't think it's used anymore called gospel principles. Uh, you remember, I remember that mm -hmm. <laughs> published by the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's one of the Sunday school manuals. Right. Um, and there is a section unit four, chapter 12 under the, on the atonement. And I'm going to read this because it's worth it 
Um, but this is basically Jesus Christ as our Savior. The atonement makes it possible for those who have faith in Christ to be saved from their sins. Yeah, it does. Um, the, Savior's, the Savior's atonement makes it possible for us to overcome spiritual death. Although all people will be resurrected with a body of flesh and bone, only those who accept the atonement with will be saved from spiritual death. We accept Christ's atonement by placing our faith in him. Through his, this faith, we repent of our sins, are baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Do you know baptism is not required to be saved by Jesus Christ? Nope. Yep. Um, receive the Holy Ghost and obey his commandments, all the doctrines and teachings of Mormonism. That's what I put in parentheses on my yeah. website. So I have a picture of the Gospel Principles Manual. Um, we become faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven and cleansed from sin and prepared to return and live forever with our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> the Savior tells us, for behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer, even as I. That's from the Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, verses 16 and 17. Christ did this part to atone for our sins, to make his atonement full, effect, fully effective in our lives. We must strive to obey him, follow all the rules and regulations of the Mormon church, is what it means. Strive to obey him. Follow all the rules and regulations of the Mormon church and repent of our sins. Um, Elder Boyd K. Packer of the Council of the Twelve gave the following illustration to show how Christ's atonement makes it possible to be saved from sin if we do our part. And that is uh, already there. I didn't put it there. Right. Let me tell you a story, a parable. This is this is in the book. There was There was once a man who wanted something very much. It seemed very important, uh, very, it seemed more important than anything else in his life. In order for him to have this desire, he incurred a great debt. He had been warned about going into mu that much debt and particularly about his creditor. Guess he wasn't such a good guy. Um, <laughs> but it seemed so important to him to do what he wanted to do and to have what he wanted right now. He was sure he could pay pay for it later. So he signed a contract. He would pay it off sometime along the way. He didn't worry too much about it, for the due date seemed such a long time away. He had what he wanted now, and that was what seemed important. The creditor was always somewhere in the back of his mind, and he made token payments now and again, um, thinking somehow that day of reckoning would uh, reckoning really would never come. Um, but as it always does, the day came, and the contract fell due. The debt had not been fully paid. His creditor appeared and demanded payment in full. Only then did he realize that his creditor not only had the power to repossess all that he owned, but the power to cast him into prison as well. Spirit prison, hell. Um, just an analogy of that. Um, I cannot pay you, for I have not the power to do so, he confessed. Then said the creditor, we will exercise the contract. Take your possessions and you shall go to prison. You agreed, you agreed to that. It is your choice. You signed the contract, and now it must be enforced. Can you not extend the time or forgive the debt that the debtor begged? Arrange some way for me to keep what I have and not go to prison? Surely you believe in mercy. Will you not show mercy? The creditor replied, mercy is always so one-sided. It would only serve you. If I show mercy to you, it will leave me unpaid. It's just as I demand. Do you believe in justice? I believe in justice when I signed the contract, the debtor said. It was on my side then, for I thought it would protect me. 
I did not need mercy, nor think I would ever need it, ever. Justice, I thought, would serve both of us equally as well. It is justice that demands you to pay the contract or suffer the penalty, the creditor, creditor replied. That is the law. You have agreed to, to it, and that is the way it must be. Mercy cannot rob justice. There they were, one metting out justice, the other pleading for mercy. Neither could prevail except at the expense of the other. If you do not forgive the debt, there will be no mercy, the debtor pleaded. If I do, there will be no justice, was the reply. Both laws, it seemed, could not be served. They are two eternal ideals that appear to contradict one another. Is there no way for justice to be fully served and mercy also? There is a way. The law of justice can be fully satisfied and mercy can be fully extended, but it takes someone else. And so it happened this time. The debtor had a friend. He came to help. He knew the debtor well. He knew him to be short-sighted. He thought him foolish to have gotten himself into such a predicament. Nevertheless, he wanted to help because he loved him. He stepped between them, faced the creditor, and made his offer. I will pay you the debt if you will free the debtor from his contract so that he may keep his possessions and not go to prison. As the creditor was pondering the offer, the mediator added, you demanded justice, though he cannot pay you, I will do so. You will have been justly dealt with and can ask no more. It would not be just. And so the creditor agreed. That's where it ends in the Christian view, the Christian point of view. Jesus was our mediator between us and our debt that we owed. And he stood in between us and, and paid his life for us. But the Mormon story doesn't end there. The mediator turned then to the debtor. If I pay your debt, you will accept me as your creditor. Oh, yes, yes, cried the debtor. You save me from prison and show mercy to me. Then said the benefactor, you will pay the debt to me and I will set the terms. It will not be easy, but it will be possible. I will not. I, I will provide a way. You need not go to prison. And so it was that the creditor was paid in full. He had been justly dealt with. No contract had been broken. The debtor in turn had been extended mercy. Both laws stood fulfilled, but because a mediator, because there was a mediator, justice had claimed its full share and mercy was satisfied. This was in a conference report also, besides in the Gospel Principles magazine, April 1977, pages 77, 79 and 80, excuse me, or in the Ensign, May of 1977, pages 54 and 55. That's how proud they are of this story. So they, I mean, they're always putting man in between the gift. And and honestly, it's so silly because if you read the Bible, but I mean, I know they kind of throw it out. But it says to, to us that anything we do to Jesus or give him or can do for him is like filthy rags. Yeah, filthy rags. Yes, ma'am. And I never understood that until after. I don't know that I knew what grace was until I got out. I, I don't know that I was really taught that. Just like the story. I mean, the, the thing is, is with 
with Christianity, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you follow his word, his life, his teachings, his example, um, and not being a judge of others and um, and loving, you know, the two commandments um, where it basically nutshells the Ten Commandments. Um, and I don't want to say, because I personally don't believe that the Ten Commandments were done away with, but they are Reader Digest version into these two commandments I give unto you, that you love God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and that you love one another as I have loved you. And, and basically the first commandments, the first five or so is about loving God. And the second five are about being honest and true and loving our fellow man. And it's, they're compromised. They're not compromised. They're compressed uh, in that, in that. Right. I get what you're saying because you wouldn't do the other sins. If I loved you, I wouldn't steal from you. If I loved you, I wouldn't murder you. If I, you know, it's kind of, they go together. I think. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then the, the other part uh, is uh, Joseph Smith. Um, I mean, besides all of the, the, the conversation about they don't understand grace. And, and when you, when you accept Jesus Christ, as your Lord and savior, your, your, your works will become driven from your heart not driven because in order to get to the celestial kingdom i have to have a valid temple recommend temple recommend i have to go through the temple i have to have an endowment i have to be sealed to my wife or time or husband for time and all eternity i have to i have to i have to pay 10 percent tithing to the church i have to do my home teaching my visiting teaching i have to do all these things and wear my garments day and night and blah 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 you know yeah, and yeah. uh that reminds me of the cartoon transylvania um blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so um, with all that, um, it, it's it, a big it, list. It's so hard for Mar Mormon members, the church members, to comprehend the simplistic the simplicity. Of, they don't. Of, they don't want them to understand that. No, no, because when they do, they'll leave like you and I. You know, because once the control is gone, and you understand it then they have nothing over you to force you to do those things. And any spirit of control, any spirit of narcissism, and I don't know if you listen to Derek Prince, but he has a whole big thing on narcissism and how that's like an evil spirit over that because anything driven to control someone is not from God. Because if God wanted to control us, he certainly could, but he didn't. He let us go and do this on our own. That's the one thing that really, you know, bugs me about is like people want to like if 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 your God was real, um, you know, why would there be all this pain and heartache and 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 um, you know cancer and and death and murders murderers and it's because like. Like they said in the temple, <laughs> he is the God of this world, Lucifer. Right. And it's not until Christ returns that that will change. And we have free agency, freedom to choose right from wrong. And, you know, we don't need the Mormon church doing baptisms for the dead, for the Aztecs and the Indians and Hitler. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that they was did a it. good one. And they did his yeah, wife they too. Did. Yeah. Um, but the the your body is a temple, and God's word is written on your heart. And again, the shadow, the Old Testament is a shadow. Your heart represents the Ark of the Covenant. God's word, the Ten Commandments, were on the inside of the Ark. The other Judaic laws were on the outside of the Ark, hanging on scrolls on the outside of the Ark. And your heart represents that Ark. People talk about the mark of the beast and about it being on your forehand or on your forehead. That's a load of crap. It also talks about the mark of God in the Bible. We don't talk about that very much. And is your the mark is here on your head and on your hand. What happens here? And what happens with these? Are you doing, are your thoughts and mind, are your thoughts and your mind with God or with thoughts of bad things and evil things and corrupt things? Are your hands doing the work of the Lord from your heart, not because you have to? Right. Or are they doing the work of Lucifer? Are they doing evil things? That is the difference. That is... The mark of God is is your your thoughts and your works, your hands. The scrolls that were on the outside of the ark were all the other Judaic laws. Like, don't pick up, don't roll up your bed, don't put up your pull up your bed on the Sabbath. Um, the woman has to go outside the camp for seven days while she's on, um, yeah. And then um, all the multiple different laws and rules that they had to follow. Um, those were all works. There were things they did, but the, the commandments were in here, in the, in the ark, inside the ark. And we are the temple. And and so um, it, it's just a, it's just the representation that I love. And I, I, I find it, the beauty in that. Um, um, I was going to continue about something here. I'm trying to get to it as quickly as possible. So we've burned a lot of time. Um but that's okay. Which uh, whatever stories make it in is great, and we can always do a part two if we, you know, if we didn't hit everything too. Because I know you're short on time here soon. But here we are. Um, this is on a little PowerPoint that I have on my um, site. I was telling you about, um, and this is uh, the teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. It's the title of a book, um, section six. Uh, uh, between the years of 1843 and 1844, on page 345, God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man. Sits enthroned in yonder heavens, I am going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. Alpha and Omega, maybe? How about that? Um, I, will, I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. He was once a man like us, yea, that God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did, and I will show it to you from the Bible. Please do. Yes, let's see it. But he never does. Um, 
And then in the pre-existence, and this is one of the things with the songs, the one in the children's hymnal. And, and let me tell you how much some of the songs touched my heart. Seeing the ch primary children, my we were we were part of a deaf ward because um, my 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 son's mother, my first wife, her father was completely hearing impaired, and so we were part of the deaf ward. Um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful by calling it that. That's just what it was called by at that time frame. Right. I, right. I would say the hearing impaired ward now, um, but there was the little children from primary come up in front of the church. And their primary teacher taught them how to sign the whole entire song, I Am a Child of God. And that just touched my heart. Like sign language is so special and so beautiful. And just, I love it. And I know I I, I gifted um, my wife, my ex-wife and I on Christmas. We, she taught me sign language i learned to be able to communicate with her father and um she we learned the song silent night and i had these big big giant speakers with big subwoofers and <clears throat> good sound system and i turned up the song turned up the bass so that he could feel it feel it mm -hmm. yeah and we signed all verses of silent night to him and it was just like the one thing like is special um but the song i am a child of god it is the whole indoctrinating what brainwashing tactic the lyrics are, and this is from memory. I don't got anything on my screen here. Right. This is the Bible right. verses I read earlier. That's all from my head. I am a child of God, and he has sent me here, has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. Preexistence, that we right. lived in heaven before we were born, born of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, which one I don't know. He had multiple, I'm sure. Um, and uh, Depends on what planet, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, parents kind of dear lead me guide me walk beside me help me find the way teach me all that i must do to live with him someday not what jesus did for me right what i must do it's indoctrinating these children to it's believe legalistic. this pressure of weight of work that they are i love to see the temple i'm going there someday Anyway, I, yeah, I got the tune. I'm not very good with that, but I wasn't in primary ever. So I was in primary and I didn't have a very good family home life, as I told you. So yeah. whenever I would sing that song, because they sing parents kind of dear, I would always sing parents kind of weird. Because <laughs> my sure. parents. That's awesome. I'm like, my parents kind of weird. Tell <laughs> you the song that. that still to this day touches my heart and and probably make me cry if i sing it um but I, i'm not going to sing it all but i stand all amazed yeah i stand all amazed at the love jesus offers me can this is the part that i didn't get but i now understand right that the grace that so fully he proffers me right. why are you at it why don't you understand it what's wrong with you <laughs> they don't read there's 
They don't read the Bible. His hands pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. By that point in the song, I'm bawling. Right. You know? Right. Oh, man. But the pre-existence, this is from George Q. Cannon, Gospel That's Truth, right. volume one, page one. We know that we were all born in his courts as spirit beings and that the Lord Jehovah was, in fact, the firstborn son. We are the children of God and his children and as his children, there is no attribute we ascribe to him that we don't possess, that we do not possess, though they may be dormant or in embryo. Yes, we are gods in embryo. The mission of the gospel is to develop these powers. Oh, the powers. Get our, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Am I going to see 34 angels like Joseph? <laughs> No, but you're going to see the oh. Jupiter Talisman. Oh, We're the Jupiter Talisman. Oh, powers with the Jupiter Talisman. Anyway, For sorry. The, the last time I talked about the House of Abrac, which is where that came comes from, the Abraxas letter from Lucy Smith. She actually worshipped the demon Abraxas. All of my Wi-Fi died. The earphones died. The phone died. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now this is a this is a reprint because I believe it was originally silver. Yep. Um, yeah. but um this is the gold version. Um I, I bought it years ago. Um I, I have to say I I praise God that I'm doing well in life. It ain't because of this. Yep. But and it's noted that that was his. They try to say it wasn't, but Emma said. It was Identified. his and identified yeah. it. Yes. That it was in they his lie. pocket. They about everything. Um, they try this, to make all that go away. Um, the mission of the gospel is to develop these powers and make us like our heavenly parent. We are literally his children, his offspring, and that we are just as much his children as our offspring are our children, that he begot us and that we existed with him in the family relationship as his children. Um, and then the part about Jesus and Satan, our brothers, um, this is from Sacred Truths of Doctrine and Covenants, volume two, page 28. Um, God lives in the family union. He is our father in heaven, the literal and personal father of the spirits of all men. He begat us, we are the offspring of heavenly parents. We have an eternal father and an eternal mother. We are born as spirits. We dwelt in the presence of our eternal parents. We lived before our mortal birth. Christ was the firstborn of all the heavenly hosts. Lucifer was a son of the morning. Each of us came into being as conscious identities in our appointed order. And Christ is our elder brother. The, and this is also from, that was from Bruce R. McConkie's uh, the mortal Messiah. Now, this is from Sacred Truths. The heavens wept over Lucifer when he fell. That's in Doctrine and Covenants 7626. Who wept and why? We were all there when he was cast out. We wept. Mm -hmm. After all, he was the spirit child of God and our spirit brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. And he made sure we only had leaves. I mean, come on. <laughs> Now, the thing that uh, really bothers me also is that um, the church taught that basically we are saviors on Mount Zion, that we have to save our dead. Um, and this isn't something you're going to hear today, um, but basically um, 
this is in Doctrine and Covenants section 128. Um, so to start out with, for baptism for the dead, we have 1 Corinthians 15, 29. That alone's in a whole nutshell, because verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 29 says, Else what shall they do, which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Okay, let's take that in context. You look at the entire chapter. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. And when you look at the whole thing in, in that chapter, he says, we, our, us. But he gets to this verse and he says, else what shall they do? Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible, many other commentaries that have been done say that this was a group of heretics that was practicing this ritual that didn't even have faith in a resurrection. They, they, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. Else what shall you do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? They didn't believe in a resurrection. Why are they then baptized for the dead? Why are they doing this? Right. That's right. what that verse is about. It's a group of pagans, heretics, whatever, doing that practice. But let's build a doctrine around it and let's put it in our religion. Um, and then from Malachi, it says, behold, you know, and they use this verse a lot too. Um, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the children of the, the and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Baptisms for the dead, turning the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's what they use. Genealogy, all of that. That verse is a basis for that. From the Doctrine and Covenants 128.18, unless there is a welding link of some kind or other between the fathers and and the children upon some subject or other. And behold, what is that subject? It is baptism for the dead. For we without them cannot be made perfect, neither can they without us be made perfect. Jesus can't do it. Jesus can't. I'm telling you. I remember in that one visitor center, uh, opposite of the, the crisis statue and the other one, oh, they used to have a baptismal font there. They took it out, removed it. Um, but it was on the 12 oxen and all that. Oh, here. Um, <clears throat> this is from Teaching of the Prophet Joseph Smith, section 6, yeah. uh, 1843 to, uh, 1843 to 44, uh, page 330. But how are they to become saviors on Mount Zion? By building their temples, erecting their baptismal fonts, and going forth and receiving all their ordinances, baptisms, confirmations, washings, anointings, ordinations, and sealing powers upon their heads in behalf of all their progenitors who are dead and redeem them that they may come forth in the first resurrection. In the, yeah, in, come forth in the first resurrection. Um, and then, yeah, okay. So that's all that about that. But I wanted to share that because it goes on from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith again, section six. I'm going on in my inter. Uh, I'm I am going on in my progress for eternal life. It is not only necessary that you should be baptized for your dead, but you will have to go through all the ordinances for them, the same as you have gone through to save yourselves. <clears throat> so, and then of course. You have to know all the signs and tokens to pass all the angels and send them to guard, guard the way to heaven. Um, and um, section 132, all about polygamy. It's still in the current edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. 
I'm waiting for them to remove it. The next edition is probably right. 76. They took out the explanatory introduction that talked about the angel of light. Well, why not just drop this chapter? Yeah. Maybe they'll I just, bet, uh, I'm sure they will do a bait and switch, like replace right. one with something else. Yeah, they uh, probably will. They've only done it how many times, hundreds of times this has been redone. I mean, they've taken things out, put things in, but it was perfect. And we should question the Bible. And the thing that really gripes me about is how they, they believe that the Mormon church is what is going to come and save the United States of America. They believe that the Mormon church and its elders are going to be the ones to save our nation, to save our country. This is from the teachings of Ezra Taft Benson. The Lord told the prophet Joseph Smith they would there would be an attempt to overthrow the country by destroying the Constitution. Joseph Smith predicted with the time would come that the time would come when the Constitution would hang as if it were by a thread. And at that time, this people, this people will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. Um, that is from the Journal of Discourses, excuse me. Now, this next part is from Ezra Taft Benson. It is my conviction that the elders of Israel, widely spread over the nation, will at that crucial time successfully rally the righteous of our country and provide the necessary balance of strength to save the institutions of constitutional government. And it goes on um, to say in Joseph F. Smith, Gospel Doctrine. Now, these are the commandments of God and the principles contained in these commandments of the great eternal are the principles of the are are the principles that underlie the constitution of our country and all just laws joseph smith the prophet was inspired to affirm and ratify this truth and he further predicted that the time would come when the constitution of our country would hang as if it were by a thread and the latter day saints above all other people in the world would come to rescue Come to the rescue of that great and glorious palladium of liberty. I'm sorry I'm animated. I just can't help myself. It's better to be. Yeah, it's good. It keeps us all, all going on it. More it talks about the stuff with the communal order, that that would be reinstated at one point. The united order, um, as it was termed, is a basis for the divine law of consecration. All private properties belonging to members of the church were legally conveyed to the church. Um, and this is from James R. Clark, Messages of the First Presidency. Um, and it goes on to say um, that it would one day be reinstated. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, this is uh, denying the blood of Christ, laws of reestablished, laws to be reestablished. James R. Clark, Messages of the First Presidency, Volume 5. The members of the church are reminded that the practice of polygamous or plural marriage is not the only law whose suspension has been authorized by the Lord and adopted by the people. The law of animal sacrifice in force in ancient Israel has been suspended. The prophet Joseph asserted it would again be restored. Should you start slaughtering animals in the temple? I hope not. Right at the I altar? Buck of the blood? <coughs> oh, can you imagine? This is from James R. Clark, Messages of the First Presidency. Um, uh, and suspended and okay, and uh, and such is the effect of of the statement made by John the Baptist when restoring the Aaronic priesthood. The law of the United Order was likewise has likewise been suspended. 
and to be reestablished in the due time of the Lord. Other laws, other laws might be mentioned. Yeah, that's that's how that reads. So they believe that polygamy in that in that little bit I just read, polygamy, animal sacrifice, because Jesus isn't enough, animal sacrifice, and uh, the communal order is all going to come back. Yeah, no, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. And, a weird and freaking day if that all happened. The horrible things that they have said about the black people, um, it, it's just atrocious. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 7. Um, I, I, I caution the viewers that this is not my belief at all. And uh, it is harsh. Um, you have seen some classes of human family that are black, uncouth, uncommonly, disagreeable and low in their habits, wild and seemingly deprived of nearly all the blessings of, intelli of the intelligence that is generally bestowed upon mankind. The first man that committed the odious crime of killing one of his brethren will be cursed, the longest of any one of, his, of the children of Adam. Cain slew his brother, Cain might have been killed, and that would have put a termination to that line of human beings. This was not to be. The Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and the black skin. Trace mankind down to after the flood, and then another curse is pronounced on the same race, that they should be the servant of servants, that they will be until the curse is removed, the, and the abolitionists cannot help it, nor in the least alter that decree from LDS prophet Brigham Young. Um, and uh, this is from uh, Mormon doctrine, Bruce R. McConkie. Um, Though he was a rebel and an associate of Lucifer in the pre-existence, Cain managed to obtain the privilege of mortal birth. He came out in open rebellion, fought God, worshiped Lucifer and slew his and slew Abel. As a result, his, his, of his rebellion, Cain was cursed with a dark skin. He became the father of the Negroes, and those spirits who are not worthy to receive the priesthood are born through this lineage. That is in Mormon doctrine. I have the book right there. I can pull it up and show you. Um, and uh, it goes on to say, also in Mormon doctrine, Negroes in this life are denied the priesthood under no circumstances. Can they hold this delegation of authority um, from the Almighty? Um, and then also in... Uh, the LDS prophet Spencer W. Kimball, uh, Spencer W. Kimball, Deseret News, June 9th. We have pleaded long and earnestly in behalf of our of these our faithful black brethren. I put the black is in italics or bracketed because it wasn't originally there. Um, he has heard our prayers and by revelation has confirmed that the long promised day has come. Accordingly, all worthy more male, uh, accordingly, all worthy male members of the church may be ordained to the priesthood without regard for race or color. That was June 9th of 1978. But here in Mormon Doctrine, 1966 edition, under no circumstances. Right. Um, so. It, it's it's such a, and I know we could go down like a big rabbit hole with so many things that they'll cover it up with, they'll say. Oh, well, times have changed. Oh, it was revealed. Oh, well, that's why we have a prophet. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And they'll they'll just do this on and on. It's like a rat race. 
it's like a circle. We're just running constant to try and track them down, but they'll never stop. Same thing with Joseph. My grandma, you know, I told you the story earlier um, that yeah. she, the assembly of God um, with her, she would pick me up and we would go to church together. And then we'd always stop at Dairy Queen afterwards and get a, a dipped cone um, from Dairy Queen and um, fond memories. And um, she was a good Christian woman older older mindset she lived in an all-black neighborhood and the only house of the white picket fence and gravel on the other side of the fence before the asphalt where cars can park in front of her house um and kids would come by black neighborhood kids would come by on their bicycles and backpedal hit the brake and oh, yeah. the gravel, dig big gouges in the gravel. Yeah. <laughs> they walk by with their stick on the fence and click, 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 click on the fence. And she would use the N word. And I grew up with that mindset right. until her dying day. And we're not talking the nice one that was used. And it's not nice. Right. I, the lighter a nice word, a, a horrible yeah. word. Um, you know, uh, this was the derogatory bad word. Grandma used it loosely. Right. And yeah, and telling you what, man, moving to Boise, Idaho was a blessing. Because <laughs> I got back in the church because I was inactive. Got back in the church because I bought a house right across from the temple. But at the same time, in California and unfortunately here in Oklahoma, the housing is very segregated people live in areas of by by kind of by race just kind of like when you go to the graveyard there's like the masonic section and there's the the the, the asian section and there's like you know different sections, yeah, different sections. Well, the town is that way it was like that in my hometown in the bay area i went to high school with e40 you know right. um so, um but i don't understand all of that but when I got to Boise, it wasn't like that. There's no segregation. Everybody was just kind of intermingled uh, with, I could have, you know, whatever neighbors and it was wonderful. Right. I learned that these are beautiful people, wonderful people. And that that whole teaching that had been taught to me growing up, as you were taught, I am a child of God. Yep. Um, I was taught something even worse. I don't know, maybe right. the same. It might be the same. Um, I think I thought, <laughs> yeah, it was all the same for me too. My family. Yeah, I mean, the teaching of the doctrine of Mormonism versus being taught uh, racism. I don't know which one, because one encompasses <laughs> both, you know. But anyway, yep. um, but it uh, it let me see things in a new light, and uh, and then of course later, you know without bringing it all up in the conversation here, but who am I to judge anyone else now? Right. right. You know? It changes. Yeah. Yeah. It so changes you. I uh, I wear this shirt. Um, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> but I want to say very clearly to the viewers that I do believe yeah. all Black lives matter. Yeah. And I, I, be I believe in that 100%. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, near the Greenwood District, near the 
Black Wall Street. I've been there. I I I I I, I empathize. I sympathize. All of that with the horrific massacre that happened there. It was an it was just horrific, horrible. With that all said, this is meant as a joke. And only for Mormons. It's not and about any, anybody. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's That's so funny. All wives matter. Ah! Those are all the polygamous wives of of, oh of Joseph. Yeah, I don't know. I have the names on here, oh, but I think so Phoebe and Mary. Oh, hilarious. I don't know. I think these names are. I'm not in the camera good enough that you can see them. Yeah, but I think I think so these are Brigham Young's wives. I'm not sure. It might be. There's so many. We can't keep track and they deny half of them. So, yeah. So, well, that is a funny shirt. And I thought it was hilarious. So I'm glad you shared it. But I, I, um, I, I just basically that that's my message is uh, the helping Mormons reach perfection because um, that, that is my website. Um, I, 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 I do stuff like this um, yeah. occasionally. I throw jokes out there, things that are, I think, are humorous. Um, monkeys. Yeah around in the baptismal font as a uh, um or zombies coming in into the temple um you know there's different memes that are created yeah. i know that they probably are offensive um to diehard you know mormons who are faithful and believe wholeheartedly um but uh it, it's honestly just meant and fun because i look back on what i believed and what i went through um it'd be like we got to change it and we're not going to change it with with just a few people yeah my my heart bleeds for the the old rod that was a closed-minded idiot when i was growing up because of how i was raised by my grandma my heart breaks for that guy right. because that isn't this guy today right and and in some ways this is one subject that I can not not that subject, but the, the, right. the LDS subject is something that breaks my heart that it took 15 years of my life that I made friends and people. I lived in a state where I had no family um, and I had friends that I thought were almost like family. We'd go on outings together to Silver City, Idaho, like a ghost town place, and go on adventures together. We went to the church cannery in Boise and did canning together. We we did home canning of grape juice together. Um, I borrowed a rototiller so that uh, I could put in a garden. Um, and all these things were like this tight network of a family that you had that you could just have your ward directory and pick it up and call Brother Joe, and he could come over. You know, or you could go over to his house if he needed you for help and help them out with whatever they needed, you know, and Which that it goes right back to a secret society. It's kind of like a secret God, society. That is the one thing that I miss. Yeah. Like no other church on the face of the earth has the unity, the the uh networking, the yeah. social, I mean the potlucks, the yeah. pioneers. All of those Children things. Children activities. All they don't have that. The other yeah. churches don't. Like Church on the Move and, um, you know, and all these different churches that are big and popular, they don't have what the Mormon church has. They have a corner on the block. Um, and it it if other churches can learn from that, 
because it it just makes the the ride have a so, church family yeah a church family a real yeah like they'll say where's your church home well i've got a home but i don't have a i don't have family right. in the home it's right. empty you know right. um i don't know but um we gotta we gotta do better about becoming more unified because it's the only way we're going to be able to get through this world not just about the church you know mormon converts at least back in the day when i left the church were coming from christian backgrounds christian existing christian faith and so they envelope you in love at first and then you get to the temple yes it used to be an actual program of the church friendshipping it was an actual they had a book or a pamphlet on it and everything um and so they friendship you right into the church. Um, and then then you start learning more and more because on the surface, on the surface, it seems very Christian. Yeah. Um, but when you start learning more about blood atonement, blood, the the oath of vengeance, the the secret secret temple ceremonies and the secret handshakes and the, the funny temple clothes, I mean. Man, the very first time I went through and I put on all that garb and that bonnet, that that uh, golf cap your on baker, my your baker hat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. I looked around the room before sitting back down after putting the rope the first time. I literally almost bust out laughing because we look hilarious. Like, yeah. are you? And how does this resemble? Again, yeah. how does this resemble the original temple or the right. tabernacle? Robes and of the what high. God are we praying to? What yes, I think both. that point that you made was no none. Yeah, no, that point and my neighbor may, like might be named Jesus because they're from a Latin culture. So we have to be careful to say whenever I close my prayers, I say and in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Amen. Because you don't want to be praying to Jesus next door. And when I pray. I, I pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Just be specific. I, I have to be. Right? Yes. Be specific. Get it. I totally Let's get it. Make sure our hearts are praying because there's more than one God that can hear us. Obviously. They're not, they're not our God. They're God. I believe they're fallen angels. And that's a whole nother topic for another day. Oh, I don't believe. The, the scripture, um, um, you know, where Jesus says, talking to the thief on the cross, and he says, um, don't forget me when you enter your kingdom or whatever. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, today you will enter, you will be with me in paradise. There was no original punctuation in Greek or Hebrew. Right. None. Let's move the comma around. Let's play with that. Verily, right. verily, unto you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. Verily, verily, I say unto you, comma, you will be with me in paradise. It changes the whole meaning. It's either going to happen right now or it's going to happen on the resurrection. Because if we go to, in my opinion, I don't, I believe it's like the cartoons on the gravestone. It's RIP, rest in peace. We are resting until the morning of the resurrection when we will face God and face our judgment. We don't get to walk the, the pearly, we don't get to go through the pearly gates and walk the golden streets until we are judged. If we already doing all of that, then why do we need to come back, be judged, and then cast to hell? Are you kidding me? 
Does a log burn on the right. fire forever? No, it extinguates. It eventually gets consumed by the fire and goes out because God is the giver of life. He is the breath of life, and he is he takes that breath back. Separation from God is no life. It is the end. I don't believe in eternal damnation and eternal fire and hell and all that stuff. I believe that and, when you and die. especially not outer darkness for me and you because we yes. spilled the tea because we have the tea today. Well, no. Now, Darkness is supposed to be okay, right? Is yeah, it? This is the lowest kingdom, the celestial kingdom right. that you would, yeah. you would fall on your butt if you saw how glorious it was. Right. I don't know, something like that. Well, um, I know you have to go, but I if we yes. if we go back over some stuff, just let me know if we missed anything because I know we chatted and that's part of it. It's always fun. So let me know and we can always do a part two if you didn't get to go over everything. But yeah, I think you did great. I think you covered yeah. a lot. Thank you. And thank you all the viewers. It was great yes. to do this. I appreciate it. I know we talked for a long time, um, but um, that's uh, okay. It's a lot of teaching. This is years and years of our life, you know? So, and please plug experience. all, all the places where they can find you, let them know where they can find uh, you. So mormonperfection.com. Um, and then of course I'm on TikTok under Mormon perfection or new name Moses um, as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's new name Noah. I thought I'd be new name Moses. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, I think he's amazing. I just think I, I'm so grateful for him. Uh, but anyway, so on, uh, then I'm on Twitter um, as Mormon Perfection there as well. I also have a Facebook group, um, uh, Helping Mormons Reach Perfection or Mormon Perfection, one of the two. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, and then I'm on TikTok. Um, did I say that already? I might have. Yep. Um, so TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Um, YouTube. I have a Mormon Perfection YouTube channel as well, um, where most of my videos that are on TikTok are there as well. I like them on TikTok better because, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I like them on YouTube better because of the widescreen format. I don't like oh, using my phone for uh, video. I like sitting here in front of my webcam and doing it. Um, so um, anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, anyway, well, we look forward to possibly hearing from you again, if you're up to it. And I think this went really well. All right. And so keep, in, keep in the loop. We all got to remember that it is done. Just like you said, we don't need to be so heavy. It is done. So mm -hmm. let's, let's end this in a quick word of prayer, just because we've gone over a lot of things that were pretty heavy today. Let's, let's lift it off. So do you want to do the honors or do you want me to? You too. You do. Okay. Dear God, we thank you for all this knowledge today. And I thank you for everything you've brought to us to share with others so that we can help them because that is, I, I can see his main mission and my main mission, making us family in this together. Please lift off any heavy spirits upon us and help us to be made light again because of you. And it is done because you did it for us. And there's nothing we can do for ourselves but rely on you. In the name of thy son. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. It is finished. It is. I appreciate your time and I know you got to go. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.